battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Thanks for tuning back into the show, I appreciate it. Uh, This week is going to be part two of that three-part series of different impairments in the studio. Last week was Brandon Downs talking about what it's like being a a half-blind body piercer, um, how that can kind of change the way that you pace your clientele, depth perception issues, different ways to mark, things like that. And this week is going to be a Scottish piercer named Marie Fowler. And Marie is just a really fantastic individual, really good energy, always a a really good person to talk to when when you bump into them. I met Marie at the BMXNet and UKAPP conferences. And uh, eventually Marie would come over to the APP conference in the States as one of the, uh, the ALDI scholars and always really just impresses a lot of people. Uh, and I, I expect uh, to see some really cool things from Marie over the next few years. Marie was born deaf and has a cochlear implant and uh, her, her auditory sensation um, isn't really stereo. So it's stronger on one side than the other. And that can really change the way that she interacts with clientele. Uh, the the studio layout, um, different things in the studio, and we also talk about well, what happens if you have uh, technology fail? You know, your your battery runs out, or you know, something with the the technology. So we talk about a, a bunch of different aspects of uh, you know having hearing impairment in the studio. Uh, talk a little bit uh, just about. Um, you know, the way you can interact with someone. If someone comes into your studio and they have auditory issues, uh, you know, how to best interact with them and how to kind of maybe break the ice a little bit, keep things casual. And it's just a really good talk. And then we kind of branch off into other piercer chats. You know, we talk about septums and, you know, the different dynamics when, you know, you might pass on a certain piercing that another piercer in the same studio is comfortable doing and uh, just different stuff about uh, about potty piercing. So really cool conversation with Marie Fowler. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, I'm recording this episode the day after I recorded the Brandon Downs episode. So I'm a little bit down in the dump still. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, I'm just really stressed out by all the different obligations with uh, with the shop. But yesterday, you know, I really didn't want to be a sad sack and just be, you know, captain depression. So I really tried to hunker down and get some stuff done, you know. So I made a lot of progress on my class for the Boston Tattoo Convention. When this episode comes out, the convention will be over. But now I'm still, like, looking forward to to getting there and, and getting this class done. So I really hunkered down, pretty much finished that. I have to do just a couple little tweaks with the PowerPoint uh, version of the class and uh, insert some videos and uh, just make sure that everything is saved and formatted so that I can uh, run everything right off my laptop without Wi-Fi when I get there. So I think that's kind of... The, the only way that I can move past my stress, my stress and my depression is like actually get something done, uh, check something off the list. You know, I sometimes I go into the, those like hermit modes where I just want to sit on the couch and pull a blanket up over me and turn on Netflix and forget about the world existing. But I can't do that because tomorrow those obligations are still going to be there. I still have to get stuff done. I have 
you have people paying to come to a class, so it's not like I can half-ass it. I have people that are going to put their safety in my hands at the convention, so I need to make sure that I'm completely prepped for that. Uh, so all I really have to do is get past this weekend, and then I'm going to have a couple days off. I'm going to go to New York for WrestleMania weekend, see a bunch of different wrestling shows with some friends. So that will be great, but I just need to get past this goddamn tattoo convention, which is a, a mountain of work. Then I can come back and I can start really focusing on the APP conference and getting all my stuff wrapped up for that and, you know, whatever else comes from there. Uh, a little bit of motion on the Amsterdam class since yesterday. It looks like I've got a, a decent venue. Uh, so that's probably going forward uh, Monday, July 15th in Amsterdam. So if you're a, a Dutch piercer or, you know, maybe even Germany, France, Belgium, you know, anywhere around that region, uh, I'd love to have you. Uh, we've got a pretty good space. I think it's going to be able to accommodate about 35 people. I definitely would not expect 35 people uh, for a class in that area. You know, if I can get 10 or a dozen, I'll, I'll say that that's a success. But I would love to get some more people in there. Uh, and maybe with this class, maybe I'll, I'll make it more of like a little like one-day conference. You know, maybe I'll invite some vendors or some aftercare manufacturers or somebody to to come and show their wares at the, the class. So we'll see how it goes, but uh, everything's moving forward. But enough about me, Yamron. Let's get into this week's interview with Marie Fowler, and I'll be back a bit at the end. All right. Hi, I'm Marie Fowler. Um, I appear out of Rebel Studios in Aberdeen in Scotland, and you can find me online at Piercings by Marie. Cool. Um, so, um, as I just told you before we, we did this interview, but uh, so I'm interviewing a few different piercers, and it's because Brandon Downs gave me the idea to, to do an episode kind of about, uh, about impairments in the studio and you know, what piercers have to do to, to work around things that might make their job a little bit tougher. And um, you have uh, an, an auditory impairment. Would that be the correct way to phrase it, or how would you define it? I just define it as I'm deaf, and I have a hearing loss, and wear a hearing aid. Okay. Um, yeah, it's hard of hearing. Right. So has this um, been a lifelong thing, or has it progressed as you've gotten older? No, I was actually born deaf. Three of my other sisters are deaf, and my mom as well. So it's like it's hereditary. Um, and me and I, of the four of us, I have it the worst. So without my hearing aid, I can't hear a thing. Okay. And is it is it an auditory implant or is it like an external hearing device? So my one is um, an implant. It's a cochlear implant, um, called a baja, which is just a little screw that is inserted into my um scalp and I hear through vibrations that's what picks up that just sounds super cool I mean <laughs> I don't know how often you get people just like getting really really interested in the tech side of it but it just sounds super cool it's like it's like bionic it is pretty cool um I love it and because I have my head shaved at that side now I get asked about it quite a lot mm. a lot of young kids um and people ask about it in the studio all the time and it's fine um, and I think it's a good thing to talk about. Uh, and I, you know, a lot of people think it's a piercing, weirdly enough. But, um, <laughs> no. But uh, my claim to fame was uh, Sampa was, was totally obsessed with it the yeah. last time I was at conference and he asked to see it and he thought it was pretty cool. Cool. So does it give you, does it give you um, stereo perception or is it like a stronger sensation on one side than the other? Um, like if I'm talking to people or if I'm walking alongside people, I'll have them be on my side where my hearing aid is because that's where the noise comes in and that's what I hear. Anything else around me on my on my well, 
on my right hand side is just noise and I don't really pick it up almost like I'm in a world of my own okay and the ideal world like the doctor wanted me to have two but that's too much responsibility <laughs> and they're expensive so yeah. I didn't want to yeah well so how old were you when you got the implant I um I was about 11 or 12 I at the time was the youngest girl um to ever get one wow so that was pretty cool um in, and it was in the United Kingdom or, or worldwide I don't know about well the UK I would say. Okay. So um, I would but, imagine that that was pretty pretty life changing. What was what was the experience like going from before? <clears throat> excuse me, going from before the implant to after. Before it was exhausting. I think I had run through maybe three or four different types of healing aids. Mm-hmm. You know, you get little over the ear ones. I had ones that was like. They were over-the-ear ones, but attached with a headband, with a wire in a box, like like an 80-year-old person would wear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know, all different kinds. And they just never worked. I couldn't hear. They weren't strong enough. So I was always at the front of the class listening. And people were shouting. And the TV was up really loud. So after I got it, I had to wait for it to heal. And then when I got the actual hearing aid on... It was life-changing for me. I could hear the rainfall off a window. I could hear little things like bumblebees buzzing next to you. Wow. That must have been it pretty was amazing. Real... Yeah. It, it still amazes me. I still I still love the little things. Yeah. Nature sound. It's great. So on the, on the technology side of it, is it something where, you know, you remove part of it for, like, for sleeping or showering or anything, or is it on 24-7? Everything like that, it comes off. When I'm awake, it's on. Um, except it's not waterproof. So swimming, showering, washing my hair, all that sort of stuff, it comes off for that. It's really easy. It just clips on and off. Okay. So uh, as a body piercer, you know, I know communication is, is so important between you and the client. And not just face-to-face when you're at the front counter, but like also in the workroom and, you know, you, you want to be able to communicate with people during this this experience. So what what's it like? Um, what kind of limitations or, you know, what kind of like different communication skills do you have to develop as a body piercer with something like that? It's really good um, in the piercing room for me currently because it's a room, obviously, all pierce, well, piercing rooms are closed off. So it's just you and that other person and whoever they're with. So there's not really a whole lot of noise. And I, I, for most people, they talk at like a decent sound where I can pick it up. But just last week there, I had this mother and daughter in and I couldn't hear them at all. I was like, sorry, you have to speak up. They were really quiet. And I was constantly saying, what, what were you saying? What was that? And that can be exhausting, but that happens not very often, luckily. Um, and I'm not. I can cope with it in the piercing room. It's outside the piercing room that it can sometimes be a problem. Okay. Because of like background noise, things like that? Exactly that. So when I first moved to Rebel, um, it's a big open shop on the on the reception. And, you know, there's five artists and there's a piercer and there's like three reception staff. So it's a lot of noise. Plus everyone that comes in for their piercing plus, you know, their entourage is mm-hmm. a lot of noise. Right. Um, so I was really overwhelmed with the noise and I would freak out and I was like right okay I can't really zone in on one person so that's when I suggested to the boss I was like can we maybe do this by like an appointment system like give them a time to come back so it's less noisy 
you know, and he agreed and then it worked and then it worked out better all round and then that made life easier. There wasn't the whole afternoon full of piercings waiting. It was the next maybe one or two. Right. Then I could go over like jewelry options and just speak without feeling like I'm shouting. Mm-hmm. And then I can hear what they're saying and it just gets the whole process done, you know, on time and quicker and not so much like a big carry on. So that is helpful. Yeah, I would imagine because I mean, even even in uh, you know my my studio and uh, with full range of of sound, uh, I still find it really difficult when I'm trying to talk to the person right in front of me. But to one side, I have people answering the phone. I have music in the background. You have that sound of tattoo machines. You just have the the groups of people that just kind of you know wander in off the street and and want to look at this look look at the books. So I would imagine it would be difficult. Um, if you have any sort of like auditory limitations to to really be able to just like calmly focus with just a one-on-one conversation in an environment like that it is and I'm I'm really open about it like I I really don't care I really like the fact that I'm deaf it has its perks um you know some people are like I'm like oh stand to the side I'll hear you because I'll just ignore you on the other side you know you kind of make a laugh about it <clears throat> there have been times I have been mid-piercing gloves on the lot and it dies like and I can't hear you and I free ball it I'm like I can't hear you so I'm just gonna hope that you're okay and I'm just gonna keep looking at you and I'm just gonna do it and then you know sometimes they get their phone out and they're texting and then they'll show me what they're writing and you know it's really funny sometimes (laughs) it happens and you make a joke out of it because there's nothing you can do right well I'm sure as as someone who's who's lived like that their entire life, you probably have a certain, I guess, kind of comfort level with it. Um, and kind of on the opposite side, when I talked to Brandon uh, earlier, he's he's blind in one eye and it's from an accident from a few years ago. So he was a, a full-sighted piercer for the majority of his career. And then only recently he's lost sight in one eye and he was explaining how, how frustrating it was and you know, how he wasn't sure if he'd even be able to kind of continue on as a body piercer. So do you think it was a, a little bit easier with you kind of starting this career and, and developing this career? Um, like just being being kind of used to uh, any sort of auditory limitations for, for the entire length of the career? Oh, yeah, definitely. For someone to have an accident and then to relearn and readjust, that's definitely harder. Whereas you're learning a trade, you're learning with what limitations you already have. So it's learning at the same time. Yeah. I, I would definitely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine how frustrating it must be. You know, even just when we were talking, I was trying to like, you know, because he was talking about depth perception issues and all these different things. And I was trying to just, you know, have one eye covered and, and try to do certain things like, you know, even jewelry changes or, you know, try to do certain marks and things like that. And really frustrating and limiting. So um, what kinds of what kinds of things have you done maybe with studio layout or have you done anything with studio layout where you want to try to keep clients on your, your good side for, for hearing, or do you just kind of like adapt to the space around you? Well, funnily enough, um, I'm left-handed as well. So I pierce left on with my left hand and my hearing aid is on my left side. So I'm always leaning in towards them where I can hear. Okay. And my piercing room is really small. So unless you're whispering, I, I, I wouldn't hear you, but I I think 
I don't know. Maybe I've just done it without even realizing. I, I've worked my whole career, and it's because I, I I try and put it to the back of my mind that I have this. I don't like calling it a disability. Um, it is tricky. Well, what would you? Because that was another question that I was asking uh, Brandon earlier. Do, do you feel like that's appropriate terminology to to call it a disability, or do you just like how do you how do you refer to it? I mean, it's, it's just life essentially, right? Yeah, technically, yeah, it's a disability. Like, there's been times where you know I I couldn't go home. I thought I had hand laid batteries in my work, and I had appointments all afternoon, and I just for whatever reason, I couldn't go home. I just worked the afternoon with no heating. Mm-hmm. So in, in a circumstance like that, where where you can't hear what people are saying or maybe hear certain things in your surroundings, um, how do you adapt in those kind of situations? Like, are, do you, are you using nonverbal communication? Are you using more written text? Or are you using phones more? Or how are you communicating with clients in a situation like that? I am lucky right now um because i have a tracy mm-hmm. um so tracy is my apprentice um and on the times that that happened she was in my room um watching and learning and doing stuff so she would obviously i can speak i just don't like speaking when i can't hear because i feel like i'm shouting okay um, so i'll say what i have to so tracy would be my ears and we're so on point that she she knew what I was thinking or I just by her facial expressions, I can hear little bits and I can lip read a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I make what's going on and we all just make it work. And it was just maybe one or two times that had happened. Um, but thankfully I have pain made batteries in my work now. Um, so that's how I, I don't know sign language. I'm currently learning it. Um, there's just the one thing that I've always wanted to do, but never ever gotten around to doing, but also if I if I um, can't hear my heat, my heating aid runs out of battery, just, me knowing sign language in that instance, the person that I'm piercing, it's very, very unlikely that they're going to know sign language. Right. So it's the case of me talking, and if they need what questions they need to ask me, they either have to like write them down or text them on their phone, and then I'll just speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you know Baron? Did you meet Baron when you were at conference? No. Uh, so he's a, a U.S. piercer from the Chicago area, and he actually did a class. I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, but on um, American Sign Language for communicating in the studio. So that might be someone uh, to, to hook up with. Um, are, are you coming back to conference this year? No, I'm not making it this year. Um, Ooh, sad. Um, no. Well, it was a tough decision, but I couldn't. I, I decided not to go. Yeah. Um, but. It, that definitely wasn't a class that I seen the two years that I have been there, or I would have been right in there learning. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's he's really passionate about it too because you know I, I think sometimes when people kind of step you know uh, to the side of of things like that, they don't they don't understand that you know communication is so important, and sometimes people take it for granted that you can just talk straight face to face with someone and they can talk straight back, you know, so. Uh, when people come in, if there's a language barrier or if there's an, an impairment barrier or something like that, uh, it can be really difficult and frustrating for communication. So, you know, he just wanted to basically say, you know, these are maybe a few very, very simple things that you can know so you can, you know, at, at least start a, a conversation with someone. And um, that kind of brings up a question for me. So if he knows, 
American Sign Language. Is there a different standard sign language for the UK? Yeah, BSL, so British Sign Language. Okay. Um, and what I've learned so far is essentially it's like accents. All right, right. We have different accents. So your signing is different signs depending on your area. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's but again, I think it's like accent. So it's still be able to understand it. It's just words or signs might be slightly different, um, but the same overall. Sure, sure. Just like like a difference in dialect, not necessarily a complete difference in language. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I'm I'm completely useless when it comes to sign language. You know, I don't even know how to, you know, sign hello or my name or anything like that. So, um, you are, you two are definitely both smarter than me. Well, definitely sounds like someone I would like to get in contact with. So I will be sure to do that. Yeah, Baron's really cool. He does a lot of work with the um the membership committee too. Oh, cool. So, um, are there any other, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of at a loss for, for good questions to ask you about the subject, even though I'm really fascinated about it. So, I mean, is there anything else that you'd want to share? Is there anything else that you think would be helpful for any other body piercers that might not have, um, like full auditory sense? Um, the one thing I did want to say is actually, I don't know if it's, if there are a lot of deaf piercers, um, but one thing that really, really bugs me when I'm in a studio is the ultrasonic. Okay. The frequency in the ultrasonic really, really affects my hearing aid. Really? So if someone's in the room with me, I can't hear a word they're saying because it's so high-pitched and like a whizzing in my ear. Oh. Um, so, yeah, you, you just have to shout. So I think it, within the whole studio, that would be the only room that really affects affects my ability to hear is when an ultrasonic is on. Wow. So like being directly in the room with it or is it, you know, can you hear it through a wall? If I'm walking past um, and the door is open, yeah, I'll slightly pick it up. But Mm -hmm. like in the room, like next to it, that's when it really kind of plays up. Wow. Yeah, I never really thought of something like that, you know, because I'd imagine ultrasonic would be some sort of a different frequency that you might not necessarily be able to pick up typically. And then, you know, with with an enhancement or a microphone or something, yeah, I I never even would have thought of that. um, The other thing is I don't really answer the phone. I answer the phone if I have to. Mm -hmm. Um, And normally I'm like, yep, two minutes, I'll pass on to somebody else because I can't hear a word they're saying. Right. Because it's just not, like, loud enough for me. Yeah. So that two things are the things that really affect me doing my job. So I would imagine you prefer maybe more like email or, or message uh, like connection oh, yeah. with clients. Yeah. Um. I although I always say to them, you know, if you, if you need me for anything, just kind of private message me on Instagram because that's where I do all my work. Or they can just obviously message the shop page as well. Right. Um. I try and avoid the phone. Yeah, well, I try to avoid the phone too, and I can hear just fine. I just don't like talking to people. Yeah, it's a tough one. So, um, anything else you want to talk about on the subject? Do you know, you, you, when you asked me about this, I thought, oh, this is a really cool subject. And then, as my days went on, and I tried to I tried to think of things, and I just, I guess I'm, I'm too oblivious to the fact that I wear this hearing aid. That mm-hmm. I I don't really know what's um 
might be like exciting to know or what might be helpful to know just the only thing is i would say if you know clients or piercing enthusiasts listen to it and they spy a hearing aid is just talk directly to the person mm-hmm. um or if you have a deaf client ask them like is the face mask going to be a problem right because that's one thing that has happens you know you cover your mouth and then the person can't hear you Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I try to be conscious of something like that too. You know, I have had a, a handful of deaf clients over the years and that'll be one of the first things up front is, you know, um, you know, I, I normally would wear a face mask, but I'm not going to wear a face mask because I want to be able to communicate with you as best as possible. If, if you, if you can read lips a little bit, um, you know, and do you want to have someone in the room? Are there any questions you want to know ahead of time? Is do you want to make any sort of a, a, a signal if you need a, a pause or a break or something like that? And, you know, I think just kind of a, approaching it um, without tiptoeing around it can be really important. So, you know, do you feel like do you feel like there's anything that a client would need to know if they went into a studio and they see someone with a hearing aid? Um, anything other than than just that, you know, just just talk to the person, communicate with them clearly. And uh, is there any other um What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, etiquette? Is there any sort of other etiquette that you think clients or, no. or body piercers should know? I honestly, I just think it is be clear and direct if it's a noisy environment. Mm-hmm. Um, because if not, the person's just going to be like, what? I didn't hear what you said. Right. So if you spy it, you just kind of be ahead of the game almost. Yeah. And if you're also like, the, I'm just going to share a really funny story because... Well, it, it tickled me, mostly because I'm deaf, and I can say this. Um, so when I was teaching uh, Tra- Tracy to learn death piercings, we had this lovely couple in, and she was um, deaf um, and signed. She didn't speak, um, whereas her partner could speak um, and signed. And she was rattling over the aftercare, quite the thing, but she didn't really assess the room. So when she she was saying the aftercare, she said, okay, so just avoid earphones and headphones while it's healing, right. which obviously would. And obviously in the back of my head, I kind of laughed a little bit, and I was like, she won't, she won't use them. She can't hear them. <laughs> and I always bring it up to Tracy because it's one of her cringe moments and assess obviously like we all do it but like to the newer piercers and apprentices like assess your client do they need that is that information relevant right because you know he laughed and he was like yeah we're fine don't worry about that <laughs> that must have been an awkward moment but I'm, I'm sure someone who who has to 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 live with these things every day they they I would imagine they would have a good sense of humor as long as someone's, you know, coming at it from a place of being respectful or maybe even just oblivious, then it's fine. I'd imagine it's a completely different situation when someone comes at it from a a, a rude perspective. Right, exactly. And obviously they had known I was deaf and I wore a hearing aid and we had this big whole conversation. So that's why, like, we looked at each other and we laughed. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, he signed to his girlfriend and it was it was a cute little moment. That is cute because I think sometimes body piercers or professionals or even just people in general, uh, they they get really embarrassed in in socially awkward situations like that. You know, if you encounter someone who has uh, a prosthetic device or, you know, a, a listening device or, or anything like that, and then you make the, you know, just some like 
common phrase that you would say, you know, like I, I have a blind client who comes in with a seeing eye dog. And I remember one time she was leaving and I said, I'll see you later. And she just said back, well, like, I wish I could say the same, you know, and it's just, you have to, you have to kind of laugh it off. I'd imagine. You do. And you know, these people and me, we live with it day to day. And if you're an adult, you, you heard them all. So everything's just amusing now. Right. You know, you know, if anyone's annoying me, I'm just, turn my hearing it off and ignore them. <laughs> What's he said? That'd be really good. Yeah, you'd just be like, oh, it, it's not me. It's the battery. It's not my fault. Sorry. <laughs> well, um... make... and, and it, it is good that I, I don't let anything stop me. So I think anyone with a disability, if you are able to do the job and do a job safely, like don't let anything stop you. I'm, I'm big on that. Right. Right. And, and that was a, a big thing talking again, talking to Brandon earlier, you know, he does good piercings, he does safe, clean piercings and they heal, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm sure he had all kinds of confidence issues when he got back into piercing after he had his injury, you know, and it's it's one of those things where you, you don't just focus on, yeah, I guess, society's definition of perfection or something like that, you know, focus on the reality of it of is, you know, you're a skilled body piercer, you know, whether it's you can't uh, hear fully, you can't see fully, you have limited mobility, any, anything like that. You know, if, if you're a, a skilled piercer and you're offering safe work, you know, that's that's the most important thing. You know, there there's artists that paint all your, with their feet. Like, if I, if I had to pierce my feet, I probably would, if I could do it safely. <laughs> I think it would be really weird to find gloves that would fit you. I know, it would be awkward. But you know what I mean, though? Like, if you can yeah, do something totally. well, right. yeah. nothing should stop you. Well, that's another one of the reasons why I thought that this was such a great topic for a podcast episode, because I'm sure that there are plenty of, of piercers out there um, who have, you know, what society would probably call a limitation, but they don't see it as a limitation. They, they, just, they just, they work around it, they adapt, and they, they overcome, and they're a skilled professional. So, I, you know, I just wanted, uh, just wanted to kind of put it out there that, you know, um, it, it's really just like... I don't know. You know, you just you just get comfortable with who you are and you just move on in life. Oh yeah. Definitely. I probably get all the funny looks when people come into my shop and they don't expect to see a little deaf girl piercing them, but you leave happy and everything's great, so it, it's good. Especially um young ones. Mm-hmm. Like young teenagers. Like I'm I'm thirty now. So when I see like fourteen year old girls and I'm piercing them in society and social media has this definition of what perfection and what everyone must be. I kinda like being that spokesperson. It's like, well actually, you know, I, I do this job and I can't hear. So I I like being that voice for like the younger generation. Mm-hmm. I had this young girl and um maybe last summer and she was with her mom, and they were playing um, Would You Ever or What Would You Rather, like that game. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what are you playing? And she's like, oh, we're playing this game. Um, would you rather? And then she did it to me, and I was like, okay, do me. She's like, would you rather not be able to see or not be able to hear? And I was like, oh, well, that's easy. I was like, I already can't hear. And I kind of made her a little bit embarrassed, but not on purpose. It was just, you know, it's true. And I was like, well, no, don't be awkward about it. I was like, lots of people have disabilities and they go about their day-to-day life. And you didn't even know that I couldn't hear. And I think it just put like a different perspective 
to her. Mm-hmm. She thought those two things were, both of them were bad. And you had to pick the best out of a worse situation. Right. I don't know. It, it made me feel really good that day. And her mum totally got what I was getting at. And I think that girl left with a different insight. Well, you know, I think just overall diversity is so important to make actual people, you know, because if, if you only see uh, what the internet tells you is normal, um, you know, if, if you feel like you're not normal, you're going to feel, you're going to feel awkward, you're going to feel guilty, you're going to feel self-conscious and just realizing that there is really no normal. Everybody's just individual. I, I think once you can see that and you can kind of especially see that younger in life, I think that'll just make you a much happier person realizing that like, you know, everybody has a thing, you know, everybody has something that makes them different and makes them unique and makes them individual. And you can see all these people that just kind of continue through life and, and kick it in the ass, you know, and I think that's just a really good way to, to look at everything is just, you know, re- respect adver- uh, diversity and uh, respect individuality. Oh, for sure. I totally agree. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for talking to me. I, I appreciate it. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about, like, industry-wise? Anything, like, inspiring you or annoying you about the industry lately? Um, I actually, um, maybe just yesterday, I think, actually just listened to your podcast, your last one. And I, I, I kind of agreed with a lot of points that um, Brian had said, how you know, the industry is annoying when it comes to social media, when people are asking for critiques. And there was a a point that you guys had mentioned and saying that the first thing people will go to is like, what did you use? What was your pre-care? What was your prep? And when I think, you know, the issue isn't any of that. The issue is technique. Right. I see a lot of that and I just, I I roll. I obviously don't want to, like, repeat. A podcast that was but I think that in general is what bugs me um at the minute I don't really get involved um but I think what I like is opinion like everybody's opinion is so varied and mm-hmm. there's really no right or way, wrong way to do something as long as it's done safely yeah um I'm really enjoying the industry right now I'm enjoying piercing like I'm enjoying being in my little bubble you know I'll do my social media for mine and I still do social media for the UK APP um, and it's exciting to see lots of different people's work it's inspiring it keeps you on your toes yeah yeah definitely it does you know I I think sometimes I bury my head in the sand and just kind of focus on like you know okay this is how I do it in my shop and that's it and then I, I meet another piercer somewhere else in the world or at a different stage of their career and I see what they're doing and I see their enthusiasm and it, it it really makes me a stronger piercer because I can take their good ideas and somebody else's good ideas and replace my mediocre ideas and it makes me a, a way better piercer. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing that bugs me the most is my apprentice can do a septum better than I can. <laughs> yeah. That just annoys me. Um, did, did you meet Evan at conference, the other piercer from my studio? I don't know if it was, I don't I think it might have been the year before you got the scholarship actually, but he, he does things where I look at it and it's like, man, that's fantastic. Like, I don't, I don't think I do those that well, you know, and it, it's cool seeing someone that like, you know, maybe you started their training, 
but they're not in like an exact carbon copy of, of you as a body piercer and you can kind of see them grow into their, their own person. And I'd imagine it's, that's what it's like having a child in a way, you know, like you can see them become themselves and it's just, it's cool to see that. Oh, it's very cool. I feel like her, her piercer mom and I'm so proud of her. And I even, for a while I was like, no, I'm not doing septums. I'm just not doing them. I took them out of my, my diary and I just point blank refused. And she did them all nailed them all and i was like it's ridiculous i've been piercing close to 10 years and i refuse to do a septum <laughs> well she can handle the septums in the shop i guess to be fair i put on my big girl pants the other day i did one and nailed it so yeah so what's what's uh what's your comfortable technique for it versus tracy's comfortable technique is it clamps or receiving tubes or freehand or what are you doing so mine is, I went back old school, I went to the clamps and I used a really long three inch needle because mm-hmm. that was where I felt I was going wrong. When I learned to do them, I learned everything with cannula. So I was used to that length right. and I think with little needle, you know, I wasn't really aware of how it, my angles were and it was constantly the same. So I tried it with a few days ago with like a really long three inch needle and it felt like a cannula mm-hmm. and it worked. That's great. Whereas Tracy's go-to is the whole lie down, head upside down with a receiving tube on a, a blade. Yeah, I mean, I I can do that if I have to, but it's it's a very rare situation where I'll I'll pull that card out of my deck. You know, somebody has to have really specific anatomy or something. My my comfort zone is I think the same as yours is septum clamps. That's that's my personal comfort zone for them. You know, I try just pulling the symptom down and piercing, and honestly, when they're lying down upside down, my hand-eye coordination goes out the window. <laughs> it makes no sense. So I need to be in front of them. Yeah, I feel the same way. I have people lay down for almost everything except tongues and septums. Those are the only things I have people sit up, and we're just looking straight on at each other face-to-face, and, and that's really like... That's how I get the best results. You know, if I did the exact same technique, but I had them laying back, I don't think the piercing would come out as good because it would just feel really awkward to me. Oh, no. If I'm lying you down for your tongue, you've asked that you're swallowing that ball. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I'm just not about to send someone to the hospital. Right. Well, that's a good mentality to have, I suppose, as a body piercer. You know, I just, I just don't want this. I have the fear. Um, and, and for the longest time, I think I stopped in septums for maybe six months. Um I don't know. And I felt I felt like I wasn't a real piercer because I didn't do everything. Right. And then, I, you know, there are piercers that don't do things. You know, Shory doesn't do septums. I don't know if he does now. But, you know, there's another piercer that doesn't do tongues because she doesn't like them. And I think, well, that, that's all right. We're allowed not to do everything. It doesn't sure. make us any less of a piercer. We still do everything else pretty damn well. That's all right. Yeah. And I think it comes from a place, it doesn't come from a place of fear. It comes from a place of professionalism where you say like, you know, okay, yeah, sure, I can do this piercing, but it's not going to come out to my standards, you know? So that's the, that's the reason why I'm choosing not to offer it now. And, you know, uh, just like you mentioned with Shorty, like, I don't know if he's doing septums now, but I know there, there was a point where he was turning them down because of probably that same thing. He wasn't getting the results that he would kind of demand of himself as a professional. So he kind of waved those off. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. You know, especially if you have the luxury of working in a studio with more than one piercer and there's someone else on staff where you can say, well, I don't offer that one, but you can talk to Tracy or you can talk to this person and and they can perform that for you. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of the reasons I got her doing symptoms sooner rather than later. I was like, I don't want to do them anymore, so you need to learn them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just fobbed them off on her. Luckily, she nails them. Well, She's that's good. good. Have, have not, two people in the I shop do. that are doing wonky septums. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing I just wanted to kind of step back a little bit when you were talking about um, the the criticism thing online, where people were talking about you know their prep and you know what kind of gauze they use, like you know when they when they post something for a critique. And I, I think really what it comes down to is uh, it doesn't matter how good all these other things are, if it's a crooked piercing, it's a crooked piercing. And sometimes that's the source of the problem where if, you know, if they have some sort of weird pressure bump or scarring or something like that, I, I never really see people posting and saying, well, it's because you, you, you fucking, you did the piercing wrong and it's crooked. You know, they always say like, well, you know, it's gotta be this one thing that I do differently. It's like, you're obviously not prepping the skin the right way, or you're obviously not telling them the right aftercare when it's like, no, no, it's just, it's just a crooked piercing. You just have to work on making your piercings a bit more straight. Yeah. It's the entry and the exit is the issue. It's nothing else. Yeah. You know, I, I see quite a lot re recently where, you know, you'll be scrolling through social media and you'll see this not so great piercing that it's got all these likes on it and then you see all these names who in my opinion should know better like why you is and i almost feel like people like things because of who did them mm -hmm. yeah i definitely agree with that are. yeah like, well no. because sometimes piercers can get away with with things that you know someone who didn't have name recognition would get torn apart for you know uh i was actually joking with someone before where i think i should make a fake facebook profile and post pictures that are like, you know, nothing crazy, not like million dollar jewelry or anything like that, but just a regular old piercing posted online with this unrecognizable piercer name and see who would tear it apart and criticize it and be like, well, you're doing this wrong and you're doing this wrong. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, just so you know, it was me. And, you know, I could have posted the same thing last week under my own name and you wouldn't have said anything, you know? So I, I do think that sometimes younger piercers or piercers that that don't have a lot of uh, closer industry friends and closer colleagues they can get kind of torn apart unfairly uh, from making one not even necessarily a mistake but just doing something different i totally agree with that i think definitely the younger people apprentices and so on almost like they're afraid to post their work in case mm -hmm. it gets torn apart like they're looking and looking way too deep into it when if they just, you know, if their mentor or whoever was like, no, it's a good piercing, like, this is right with it, it'll heal, everything's great, like, they should be proud to show off and, you know, essentially build their portfolio. Right. And yeah. other people's opinions shouldn't matter. And I, I feel like it's some sort of, like, ass-kissing competition sometimes. It totally is. You know, I, I mean, I would say that, you know, other people's opinions can matter as long as they're being constructive, you know, and one thing that I almost never see anymore is um, when you when you give someone a critique, you know, talk about the things that they did right and then maybe talk about the things that they can improve, you know, don't just pick the one thing that you disagree with or, or you don't like and tear them apart over it because like nobody's ever going to get better because then they're going to freak out and they're going to retract and they're going to think, okay, well, maybe I don't want to post something uh, again in the future and, and try to get that same critique because I don't want to I don't want to get punched in the face basically for doing a piercing a little bit differently or maybe not as perfect as I'll I'll do it 
five more years into my career or something like that. But you know, yeah, if you're going to criticize someone, have it be constructive and talk about the positive things. Say, hey, I really like the jewelry. I really like the placement. But you know, maybe you should do this and that for the health and safety or, you know, change your marks a little bit. But, you know, overall, it's a good piercing. But people never do that. No, you're definitely right. There needs to be positive as well as well as constructive, not just mean for the sake of being mean. Right, right. And, you know, even, you know I don't want people to start saying, okay, well, first off, just culturally, uh, does the term snowflake translate into into Scottish basically as like an insult when when someone calls somebody a snowflake <laughs> yeah okay all right so uh, I know that people might listen to something like this and say like oh yeah. you know you're just trying to you know make a, a whole generation of snowflake body piercers and it's not that it's just that like you don't need to be unnecessarily rude to someone like you don't have to just say okay you did a great job here's your participation trophy but you know if you only say like you're terrible you're terrible you're terrible you're not really helping anybody, you know, and, and those people who throw the insults around all the time, especially in those forums, most of the time, you know, six months prior, they were making the exact same mistake and, you know, somebody helped them or they figured it out, but they want to kind of keep that a secret because they want to look cool. Um, but yeah, that, that stuff drives me bananas. Yeah, Snowflake, um, yeah, I think that's a global thing. 2019 will be the year of the Snowflake, but... Right. Personally, yeah, there are too many of them. But on professionally, I agree with you. Be constructive. Not everyone's perfect. You know, all these people that we all look up to, they all have off days too. Just nobody likes to talk about the off days. Right. Well, you know, I actually try to go out of my way and uh, and and talk about mistakes I've made. And uh, th this actually brings up a, a really good opportunity to, to say it right on the show. So I'll tell you about the dumbest mistake I made doing a, a tongue piercing. And this is like just last week. Um, I had a client come in and he had a kind of a hard time sticking his tongue out for a tongue piercing. You know, and I think sometimes when, when you're looking at someone face to face and you say, push your tongue out, they might have this kind of mirror effect where they're like, they're raising their tongue or pulling it in when they have every intention of trying to stick it out. But it's just this, it's this weird phenomenon, you know, and mm -hmm. he just couldn't keep his tongue out. So I was like, all right, you know, uh, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to bust out some clamps and you know, no, no problem. I'll still pierce it. And my normal technique is freehand. And, uh, when I install the jewelry, I install it with the bottom ball screwed on and uh, I was using a pair of clamps that didn't have a slot for the needle. So I pierced through and then I followed the jewelry right after the needle. And then I couldn't take the goddamn clamps off of the person's tongue because the bottom ball was too big to slide the clamps over it. So I mm -hmm. had to feel like an idiot and stand there and try to unscrew this bottom ball and then screw on this top one and then get the clamp off and all this stuff. And I actually, I got so embarrassed because there was, there was drool and spit and I couldn't get the bottom ball fucking unscrewed. So I had to have the client hold his clamps while I went and I, I changed gloves and I got a pair of hemostats to help me take the bottom ball off. It was the dumbest thing and I was so embarrassed. And I'm a body piercer with 20 years experience, you know? So um, for anybody out there who feels like they're making mistakes and it disqualifies them from being a professional, uh, I'm currently on the APP board of directors and I made that stupid mistake. Do you know what happens? It was the same when I, I did that septum. You know, the, the needle was like three inches long. So I had the needle like half and half and I couldn't get the clamps off. Right. The needle was too long. For a minute, I was freaking out. I was like, oh my God, how are we going to get these off? How are we going to get them off? 
So I was like, right, okay, I'll move the needle along a bit. So like the blades further out her nose, you know, still wouldn't come off. And I'm panicking. And I was like, oh my God. So I shimmed it right along. So it was like tiniest little bit of needle septum. And then they came off. And then I had to bend them a funny way to get the other one off. And for a split second, I was like, oh my God, I need to repair this. I can't get these clamps off. Right. And it's just thinking on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's all it is you have to think on your feet i'll bet your story is a little bit worse slightly funnier than mine yeah yeah it's it it was definitely the dumbest thing i've done in recent memory um so you know good for a laugh on my end the client probably didn't feel the same way um but i mean his, his piercing will heal fine but yeah uh everybody poops everybody makes mistakes and i i don't want piercers to ever pretend like they never make a mistake i think that should maybe be like the next show like funny (laughs) stories oh that would be good you know what would be a really good thing is i should get body piercers to anonymously like type out the dumbest thing they've done in a piercing and then i'll just i'll read them on air so that they don't have to give themselves away and feel embarrassed and then we can have a whole episode about just the stupid goddamn things that piercers have done in the middle of a process yeah real life stuff yeah i think it's a hit Well, I'll definitely plan for that one, and I'll expect you to submit something for me when I do that episode. Anonymously. Anonymously, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to be kind of a good place to wrap it up. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Not that I can think of. Okay, great. Well, this was a really good chat. I appreciate you making some time for me. Oh, no, it was great. I'm glad to finally be on your show. Yeah. Well, let's do another one in the future. You know, like next time I'm over there or you're over here, or we can do another one online. Awesome. We'll love to. All right. Have a good night. Nice talking to you, Marie. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Thanks for talking to me, Marie. Uh, I am going to go and get back to work. I am going to get into the shop and really start packing up for that convention and uh, trying to figure out the the last little bits of stuff I need for my class, get my certificates printed, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to be back next week with another episode. It's most likely going to be part three of this three-part series on different impairments, and that should be on physical impairments in the studio. And maybe if things work out, I'll try to record some content at the Boston convention, maybe talk to some other piercers that are there, some people that come to the class, or maybe even some clients. So uh, I'll be back next week and uh, tune back in. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. 